Praise God. Um, we have a few announcements we're going to share before we have Rob come up um, to bring the word for us this morning. Tim has one about a worship event that's coming up, and I'll let you share that. If you'd mark your calendars, uh, Friday night, August 5th. Um, by the way, that's the weekend of the Bluegrass Festival in, in Itasca, so go to that Saturday and Sunday. Um, worship time that you won't forget at Gimmel. Just drive on the other side of North Home about eight or nine miles, I think, and uh, come and join us. It's a barbecue at 5.30, and then we're going to worship till the cows come home. And so August 5th, Gemmel Community Church. Come and have barbecue. It's going to be an awesome night. Please mark your calendars. Do you know what time the cows come home? <laughs> I used to get them at five in the morning. This is when I would go out there and get them. Okay, here's... Uh, I know we all enjoy Sunday morning treats and so forth. Uh, the freezer is empty right now of them, I am told. And so... The Lord inspires you, or you just do some baking. Um, you could bring the tre treats for Sunday morning fellowship. Please put a date on the, the date on them, and let us know your name and, and who to thank. And uh, I'm guessing put them in the fr freezer, or yeah. So that is important that we get that out there. I was going to let you know if you see joy. Airholds around with the camera. We're updating our um, website, and uh, she's getting some new pics for that. So that's what's going on with Joy. She has the camera. Um, we want to be remembering uh, Doug and Abby and Cootley and Rod Rock this morning. They're with Kent and the team, Kent Dudley and Chantel, at the fair. I believe in Park Rapids, and it happens to be, I believe today is Kent's 60th birthday too. So we do have a meal today, and so we would like to invite you to stay for fellowship after this service. There's a meal in our fellowship hall. Um, next Sunday, Devin Barrett is gonna be here. Some of you know him. Uh, he has worked with college-age students on campus and with a ministry called, is it Kings? Kings. And uh, I met him, well, Jill connected me with him here some time ago. And uh, we were sharing, I just really so appreciated his heart. So he's going to tell us a little bit about the ministry, but also he's going to bring a word from the word. Uh, He's been on evangelistic outings to Africa. He went with um, Reinhard Bonnke's group over there and uh, saw pretty special things. By the way, we were praying for Herb Braumenschinkel because he's going to be going to Africa. He's going to share about that in a couple weeks, just a little bit. Uh, he's going to be going to Zambia, I believe it is, too. So just some announcements here, info that we didn't have in our regular announcements. 
I uh, also wanted to mention before Rob comes up that someone very special to Joyce and I, Shirley Godfrey. You may have heard us speak of Bob and Shirley Godfrey through the years. I lived at their in their home in the basement there for one year. And it was a life-changing relationship that we had with Bob and Shirley. We would go to their home. It was that time, in that time frame, that we received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're talk, talking about this on Touchpoint right now. Uh, so I won't give a lot of details here. You can hear more about it there. But just uh, so thankful for Bob and Shirley Godfrey. But she transitioned to heaven this past week here. And I just wanted to mention her. I was thinking of her as we were singing some of those songs this morning. And we would, we'd come in their home, and their daughter, Deb, would play the guitar. She was in junior high at that time. And uh, we'd get in circles, and we would sing till the cows came home, so to speak, you know, and get in the word. Time, I remember their morning, 2.30 in the morning, we went to bed. I mean, yeah, that's... I don't see that hour anymore, you know. I mean, I'm sleeping when that hour comes. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for Bob and Shirley. And Shirley is there now, and we will see her again one day. Hallelujah. For our tithes and offerings, we have boxes on the back wall here for those that are in-house, for those that are watching online. I think instructions are given there online, but let's just pray over that. Lord, as you know, we are in times when there's inflation and other burdens on the economics of this land and in the world. But Lord, you are good and you are always faithful as we've just sung. And we look to you. We trust in you. We see you as our source. You are our source, and we trust in you. And Lord, we give as an act of our trust and obedience. And yes, we thank you for the opportunity to do so. And we do it with a cheerful heart in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, thank you, Lord. It's always a blessing to me when Rob is going to share. Rob Salmonson, I've known Rob a long time. We've known each other for a long time. And, and uh, there's a teaching gifting that just blesses the body. And so we'll have Rob come up at this time and share the word. I believe it's going to be, be not dismayed, right? Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Hallelujah. Be not dismayed. Yes. Sometimes I think we're... We just say, let's be dismayed. Oh, well. With the worship this morning, it's, it's easier to be not dismayed. I'm hoping the fan behind me doesn't blow my notes away. <laughs> Might happen. It's good to see everybody here this morning, all the temples of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's not on the cross anymore. He's in each of you that have received him. Hallelujah. It's good to be with you this morning. Just going to kick it off real quick with a verse from Psalm 119. The entrance 
of thy words, the entrance of his words, brings light, brings light into us. And too often, I think we're, we're too quick to allow darkness or shadowy things into our lives that really don't belong there. We need to dispel that darkness by allowing God's word into us. And that's what I'm hoping to do today. Let's open with prayer. Father, we worship you today. We come before your presence with singing and rejoicing and with a genuine spirit to learn more of you. For we know in you lies all peace, hope, and joy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be not... Did you catch that? Be not. All right. End the message. (laughs) Be not dismayed. Well, what causes you to be dismayed? Have you ever stopped to to think about the things in life that cause you to be dismayed? Did I lose my mic? Can you still hear me? Okay. We're getting there. Uh, I think it's good maybe to stop and think about things that do cause you to be dismayed because it gives you ammunition on what to go after to correct that situation, those situations in life, and to steer yourself away from that and to get back into the Word of God. Well, I guess many things cause dismay. Many things can cause me dismay in life. I shared with Pastor Steve last Sunday about this message to come, and I said, I should be the one sitting in the congregation listening to this because (laughs) I need it. But maybe that's why the word, or why the Lord had me go through the word so much to try and prepare this message, because he knows that I also need to hear it. The Webster Dictionary defines the word dismay as a sudden loss of courage or resolution, a feeling of alarm, fear, or disappointment. Well, today, I hope to touch on several individuals in the Bible to see different ways that they overcame dismay in their life, even in the midst of some pretty tragic and frightening circumstances. But first, I like to talk about children sometimes because I think we can learn a lot of lessons from children, young children. What is it that young children do when they become alarmed or fearful? Don't they run into their parents' arms for protection and comfort? And shouldn't we likewise, when we become dismayed, run to our Heavenly Father's arms and lean on Him? You know, even a young child, like say a one to two year old, even they're smart enough (laughs) to know that safety is clinging on to mom or to dad when strangers are around or when strange things suddenly happen, like maybe a smoke alarm goes off, or some loud noise, or loud thunder, cling to mom and dad. Well, I think we should have that childlike faith, that childlike wisdom, and flee into our Father's arms when we sense danger, or lose courage, or have fear. But isn't it true, too often we try to just tackle alarm by ourselves? How's that working for you? Probably not so good. We need to tackle the things that dismay us in life with the power of the Holy Spirit within us by getting God's Word into us. A couple of just verses uh, where David was 
calling out to the Lord from Psalm. Psalm 57, 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for my soul trusts in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be passed. Anybody here? Oh, I won't ask for a show of hands because anybody who did not raise their hands, I would know that you're probably not being truthful. Ever had a calamity in life? Or maybe two or three? Calamities may come, but make the Lord your refuge, and they too will pass. And in Psalm 61, David again here, verses 2 and 3 says, From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Again, have you ever felt overwhelmed in life? Maybe more than a few times, maybe, I don't know, dozens of times. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Let's look at Psalm 37 together. Uh, Verses 39 and 40. It says, But the salvation, if I got the right one there, there we go. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble. Again, there's times of trouble that sometimes the enemy tries to attack us with. But the Lord is our strength. And the Lord shall help them, verse 40, help them and deliver them He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because, because, because they trust in him. Hallelujah. So look to the Lord when those times of trouble try to assault us. And the Lord will deliver us. He is our strong tower and our shelter in times of storms. You know, even Psalm 23, we all like to quote verses from there. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. If we don't want to fear evil, we need to know that he is with us. We need to have him with us, in us, all the time. Not just say, well, I'll see him next Sunday morning, but all the time. Carry him in our lives, in our heart. And yes, again, we may at times walk through the valleys of life, I heard just this morning uh, one of the ministers on television, I I hope I'm saying it right, James Merritt, I think it was, and he said, you know, when, when we're on the mountaintops, that's where we worship the Lord, but we're in the valleys, that's when we're holding the Lord's hand, or he's holding our hand, walking us through the valley of the shadow of death. Do not fear evil. There's a song written by William Gaither called Because He Lives, and I would like to just read the words of how that song ends. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Those of you who were here last Sunday or who watched online uh, may remember Adam came up and shared a little bit and had us turn around and look backwards a little bit. 
to remember all the different things that God has brought us through, all the calamities, all the trials, all the dark, shadowy moments, just the adversities of life, and how God has been our faithful and ever-present strong tower, our fortress, helping us through those difficult times. And then to turn and know that toward the future, the same is going to happen. God will be there with us. So we don't need to be in dismay or be fretting or stewing about what's going to happen. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 together. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Quick little personal story here. I know some of you kind of think it's weird if people say that the Lord spoke to me on something. Well, that's something you'll have to deal with between, <laughs> between yourself and him. Every once in a while, not a feeling, not I'm pretty strongly sure, not I really think, but I know that God spoke to me or you know that God spoke to you on something. And when I was a young, uh, relatively young Christian, I don't know if I'd been a Christian for six months or a year, and one time in deep prayer, this verse almost verbatim just came to me. It just came to me. It was slightly different. And I didn't even know this verse existed until about a year later when I came across it in the Bible. But what the Lord told me And again, it's not exact. But he said, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am God. I will strengthen thee and uphold thee with my right hand. Pretty neat, I thought. It was a good confirmation that he's real. He really, really, really is real. Amen. Now let's look at Psalm 37. I picked out different verses from here. Uh, Verse 1, 2, 7 and 9, we're going to talk about not fretting. So let's start with verse 1. Fret not, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices, or my side margin says wicked schemes to pass. Don't fret over that. Verse 9, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So fret. How's the dictionary defining the word fret. Webster's a couple ways, and then we're going to look at the Hebrew definition of it also. Webster's defines fret, here's one way, to suffer emotional strain, to become irritated, to worry. Here's another way they define it. To eat into, to corrode, or to fray or to cause by wearing away, to eat into something, like your clothing, till it eventually frays. Or you think of corrosion, uh, 
like maybe the fender on your vehicle, gets a few little... Now, now think of this spiritually, okay? I'm giving them just a normal physical analogy, but it's meant for your spirit, if you'll receive it that way. One day you happen to notice just a few tiny, teensy little brown specks on the fender of your vehicle. You just notice them. That's about it. You forget about it. Well, maybe a year goes past, and now you kind of notice it a little more. Oh, yeah, there were a few specks there. Now there's, now there's getting to be quite a few specks there. But, you know, I mean, you've learned to live with it. It's not the end of the world. You've kind of gotten comfortable with it. It really doesn't bother you. Until one day, you notice, maybe again another year later, it's almost a solid brown blob of rust specks. And that might be the day you're washing your car and you're scrubbing along and you come to that area in the fender and boom, a hole pops right through there. You didn't realize how weak it was becoming underneath. And that now you realize, oh, there's going to be a, a little bigger repair bill and it's going to take a little longer and I should have dealt with it right when it first happened, when I first noticed it years ago. Shouldn't we be dealing with things in our lives when those little dark specks pop up in our lives? Shouldn't that be the time that we take care of them and not let them just become bigger and bigger? Don't live with them, folks. Go after them. The power of the Holy Spirit. God will help you to overcome it. Hallelujah. The Hebrew meaning of the word fret is to grow warm, to blaze up, anger, zeal, jealousy, to burn, be displeased, to grieve, to wax hot, to be incensed. Well, I asked you what causes you dismay, what causes you to fret? The news, perhaps. I'll just throw that one out there. And you know, maybe I do care, but I, I don't care what news you watch. I'll just ask you this. Is it holy? Is it uplifting? Is it truthful? Is it glorious? Is it worth meditating on? Is it bringing joy and peace into your life? Whatever news that you either watch on television listen to on the radio, look up on the internet. Think about that, folks. What would God have you do? And I am not, I am not, I am not saying we should be ignorant of what's going on in the world, in our country, in our state, in our city. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we need a much heavier dose of the Word of God going into our lives, because the entrance of his word brings light into our lives, not the darkness of news that are trying to get us angry and to to grow hot and become incensed. God wants those rust spots dealt with right away. So we need to get our focus on God and his word and then keep our focus there. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 9 Tell us to humble ourselves before God, to cast our care upon him, to be sober, be vigilant, 
because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom we are to resist steadfast in the faith. My family and I, over the many years, we always like to go to zoos. Anybody here like to go to a zoo? Look at all the God's neat creatures and stuff, either from America or from other countries. Well, one particular time, this was when our daughters were a little bit younger, but not, not little. I don't know, maybe young teenagers or something. I, I really don't remember. We walked up to a Bengal tiger exhibit. And we'd seen various tiger and lion exhibits before. And they're almost always like down in a big hole. And you're looking down at them, way down there. Or maybe there's a big, huge cutout bank. And then they're on the other side of that. I wish I knew where this zoo was, but I just don't remember. Been to too many, I guess. We were right at ground level. Right there was the Bengal tiger at that same ground level. Boy, do you gain an appreciation for how huge, how long, and how tall they are. Beautiful creatures. Now this tiger, it was behind a set of very thick, tall steel bars. And in addition to that, there was a double thick, double chain link fence. Really, really tall. Makes you think, how high can those things jump? Well, it's pretty impressive. That tiger, this is a true story now, it took only interest in our daughter Bethany. It never, ever, ever took its eyes off of her. We could walk in front of her, it would look right through us, just keeping its focus right on her. If she walked, it walked with her. Stopped with her, kept looking at her. We could go like this, or we could quick run in front of her. Just kept looking straight ahead, never taking its gaze off of her. But the instant she took off running, instantaneously it ran with her and stopped. It's kind of awkward, a little creepy even. I don't know, maybe she, maybe she smelled good. I don't know, whatever the deal was. But after she took off running and it ran with her, we said, okay, this, this just isn't right. We didn't want to you know, harass the tiger either. So we just gathered up as a group and slowly walked away. And we got a long ways away, kept looking back, kept looking back. Eventually, I mean, we were a long ways away. Finally, it took its eyes off of her. The devil is always looking for a weak spot, and I'm not saying she was a weak spot. He's always looking for a weak spot to exploit in us. And if he sees a few little specks of rust, and he sees we're not doing anything about it in our life, those little tiny dark areas, we know they're there. We know we should do something about it, but, you know, it really doesn't affect my life. Does it? The devil will try to exploit that and that rust will fester underneath and eventually can balloon into a pretty big problem. Now again, we knew we were safe and we should know that Jesus has defeated the devil and we're safe and we do not need to fear evil. 
We do not need to be dismayed and walk around fretting. But, you know, we all live in a real world and things are coming at us all the time. It's just where we're putting our focus. What is the music we're, we're singing in our heads to ourselves? And a different song in my... If, if anything, I had trouble sleeping last night because I had a different song come into my mind that I haven't sang for a while, old-time hymn. At any rate, I'll move on. We just need to keep vigilance in our everyday life and stop fretting and dismay. Psalm 27, 14 reminds us to wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Now, as promised, I want to get to several examples in the Bible. There'll be just quick little snippets of people that overcame dismay and worry and fretting and emotional strain even though they were in the midst of some very difficult and tragic circumstances. And as I shared with Pastor Steve last Sunday, I said, Steve, I said, I, I didn't even try putting them in order or anything. I said, I'm just not that polished. And we got a good laugh out of it. So I said, just as they came to me, I'd look up and read a little bit about them and stuff. And so here we go. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they certainly had reason for dismay and despair. Remember, they were beaten with many stripes, thrust into the inner prison. You'd think prison would be bad enough, but put into the inner prison, and their feet fastened into stocks. Well, that's a pretty desperate situation, isn't it? How did they overcome? They overcame by singing songs of praise. And the Lord delivered them, and the jailer and his family also became saved. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they were the three cast into the fiery furnace by order of King Nebuchadnezzar. They overcame by not compromising their faith and by trusting in the Lord. Well, Nebuchadnezzar saw that they were unharmed. And you know what Nebuchadnezzar said? He said, there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Amen. Daniel. Remember Daniel and the lions. Well, he certainly would have had reason to be dismayed with fear and alarm. I mean, wouldn't you be? We're going to throw you into the lion's den. Daniel was cast into the lion's den by King Darius because Daniel ignored the king's unrighteous decree which, by the way, the king had been tricked into because there were people that didn't like Daniel and wanted to get rid of him. Daniel refused to compromise his faith. This is kind of interesting. Note that the king spoke to Daniel before he was cast into the lion's den, and he said, Thy God will deliver thee. So the king must have at least had enough, if nothing else, enough faith in Daniel's faith that he thought, you know, it's possible. I think your God will deliver you. That's what he said. Thy God will deliver thee. Plus the king fasted through the night and slept not. The next morning, indeed, he found that Daniel was unharmed. So then, after casting Daniel's accusers and their families to the lions, King Darius issued this decree. I'm going to read it. 
Um, Daniel 6, verses 26 and 27. King Darius says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. In his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders. This is, this is the king saying this. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who has even delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. Solomon. Remember, Solomon was tasked to build the great temple. A tremendous feat to accomplish. Don't you think he could have started to fret and worry and had a lot of emotional strain over this? But I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. I'm saying that he overcame this enormous task through diligence and through obedience to God's word. He followed God's word. And it was a long process. A lot of details. He was diligent. Diligent and obedient. His father David's advice to Solomon, we're going to look at 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. This is Solomon's, or David's advice to Solomon to prepare him for building the temple. Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Do we, I'm asking each of us now, not the person next to you, I'm asking you, do we have unfinished work in serving the Lord? Well, he will not fail us if we continue, as did Solomon, in diligence and in obedience to his word. Jonah, in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights. Do you think he was happy about that situation? Do you think he had reason to be in dismay? (laughs) Think of that. In the belly of a big fish. Well, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us how that situation got resolved. From inside the belly of that big fish, three days and three nights, Jonah 2, verse 9 says, He sacrificed unto the Lord, how? With a voice of thanksgiving. I think we, everybody, but I'll just say we Americans, I don't know, could have a lot more thankfulness in our hearts. We Christians could have a lot more thankfulness in our hearts. God's done so much for us. His steadfast love for us, his mercies are new every morning. If we would just stop and think on them. What a great God we serve. He sacrificed unto the Lord with a voice of thanksgiving. And that's when the Lord had this giant fish deliver him to dry land. 
And then Jonah went to preach God's warning to the city of Nineveh. The people in Nineveh repented and were spared by God's grace, mercy, and his kindness. And in Exodus, the children of Israel, they were greatly affected, greatly afraid, greatly affrighted, if I can use that word, when Pharaoh's army and chariots and horses pursued them to the Red Sea. They fretted with hot anger and became incensed with Moses. Moses told them to fear not, to stand still, that the Lord would fight for them and save them. Moses overcame all that anger and concerns directed against him. He overcame by his belief in God's power and in God's provision. Hallelujah. And here's a verse from Psalm that ties right in with this. Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They, the chariots and horses, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Noah, Noah and his family, are you keeping up with me here? I know we're talking about a lot of different people in the Bible, but there's a lot of people that have overcome dismay in their life and overcome fretting and overcome worry. I don't know. There's so many words that could be used. So I think it's good to look at the examples that God gives us from the Bible. Noah and his family endured taunting and ridicule for years. If you put yourself in their shoes, imagine that, taunting all the time and ridicule. Well, you old fool, you think it's going to rain here and the whole earth is going to be flooded? Yeah, I do. I know. I don't think I know. That's what God told me. Noah overcame by staying true to God through many seasons of adversity, knowing in his heart that God had spoken to him. Again, there's, there's times we, we feel like God has, you know, directed us or spoken to us, or we, we think, or we, you know, we pretty strongly believe, but every once in a while in our lives, we know, we know what God has told us to do or to not do. We know. And we need to follow that direction. And that'll get us through many, many seasons of adversity. Hallelujah. Joseph. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Well, he overcame by maintaining his faith. And years later, at the age of 30, just the age of 30, that's when he was made second in command under Pharaoh over all the land of Egypt. Remember, he had interpreted Pharaoh's dream that, is, that had haunted Pharaoh. He wanted to know what was the meaning of that dream. And, and Joseph told him, it's, there's, there's going to be seven good years of crops and of harvest, followed by seven bad years of a severe famine. You need to appoint somebody Get a, get a wise person, a righteous person 
to gather up extra food into the storehouses during that first seven good years so that there would be enough food to survive the seven years of famine. Well, Joseph got appointed. He was that person. And during the seven years of good years, he did gather up extra food. And during the seven years of famine, he provided food to everybody, including including even his brothers who had sold him into slavery. Rahab. Rahab, remember, she hid the two spies that were sent by Joshua into Jericho because, I think she had a lot of faith, because she had heard about the Lord. She had heard about the Lord. I don't think she just heard it. I think she received it. She had heard about the Lord and how he delivered his people. And she said, he is God in heaven and in earth. And so she asked for kindness for her family, and they were all delivered during the taking of Jericho. Rahab acted in faith, not with dismay. Joshua, with 40,000 warriors, and seven priests with ram's horns marched with the Ark of the Covenant for seven days around Jericho. I don't know how many of you have somebody super special in your life that they said, let's go march around this city today. God's told me that this city is going to fall. Well, by the way, we'll, we'll keep marching around the city every day. And on the seventh day, I hope you're, you're extra strong because we're going to march and march and march around that city. But then the Lord's going to knock those walls down flat. Well, that's what happened. Joshua followed the Lord's directions, and the city walls did indeed tumble down flat. Joshua did two things. He obeyed, and he marched to the Lord's directions. And Jericho was taken. I think we need to consider doing both those things in our life. We need to obey the word of God, which sometimes tells us maybe we need to march to whatever it is he's directing us to do in life. Put our feet to it. And Job, wow, talk about somebody who suffered a lot of calamities in life. He suffered tremendous loss, but wavered not in his steadfast faith. Remember, Job had his three friends come to him, wise friends, and if you read through Job, and you should, you'll say, you know, those three guys had, did have a lot of wisdom. I mean, it seems to be like there's a lot of nuggets of truth in what they're telling Job. But they were telling Job that his calamities, he was bringing on to himself. He must be doing something wrong in life. Job just knew better. He knew that he had not wavered and that he was steadfast in his faith to the Lord. We'll see, we're not giving godly counsel. Maybe they thought they were. I'm sure they thought they were, but they weren't. I want you to listen to this, and I'm not sure, but I am sure that there's one or two or three or maybe a dozen or more that this next part is meant for, even if you didn't hear the rest of the service. I want you to know when it was that the Lord turned the captivity of Job and then gave him twice as much as he had before. Job 42, verse 10, listen. 
The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his three friends who had been giving him all this wrong counsel for days, telling him why he was wrong, why all these calamity things were happening to him, calamitous things were happening to him. Perhaps there's people in your life, in your past, in your present, I don't know. I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. Who, maybe with good intentions, felt they were giving you wise and godly counsel. But you knew in your heart, no, that's not what God has for me. Or, I know that I'm true to God right now, no matter what people might be trying to indicate to me otherwise. Again, you have to have that close walking relationship with the Lord. What I'm suggesting is, is if you still feel captive in life, you still feel bound up, perhaps, like Job, your way out of it is to pray for those friends who God is bringing to your mind right now. Pray for them. You know, the Bible says pray for your enemies. Well, we should at least pray for those that were trying to be friendly to us. Amen. A couple of verses quick here. John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace. Ah, peace I leave with you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And Romans 15, 13 says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power, as Gus would say, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Psalm 91, let's look at this together. Psalm 91, verse 2. It says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. That's my prayer for you today that you will be able to say that God is your refuge and your fortress and that you will trust in him. That's my prayer for me too. And then an old hymn. I'd like to just read one verse from it. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Verse three from that song. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have a blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. So I'd like to close with this question or thought for us to ponder today. Are we walking around in dismay, worry, fretting, having emotional strain in life, things that bother us and just get under our skin and cause us to become hot with anger? Or are we smart enough to be like little children and to realize during those times all we have to do is run into his everlasting arms? Wherein lies peace and joy forevermore. In Jesus' name. Let's close in prayer. Almighty God, I thank you.
Oh, I thank you for your word, which is so real. And we want it to grow in us, Father. We don't want to be walking around in dismay. We don't want little rust spots forming in our spirits. No, Lord, help us to recognize them and to deal with them quickly so that we don't go about fretting in life. Seal this word and the parts of it that you mean for people. Seal it in their hearts and in my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, and as we go forth today, let our fellowship be sweet and our love for you be pure. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, amen. And everyone said, amen. 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 Pastor amen. Steve. Yeah. Isn't it neat that or remarkable how the Bible is filled with real people? Yes. And their situations. Yes. I mean, it's not like Amen. it's a candy-coated thing. It's just real people going through real things just like we are. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that today. Amen. And, Amen. and all those reminders of that. And we, be not, we will be not, not be dismayed. We will be not dismayed. Yes. Be not. Be not. Remember the be not. <laughs> Well, let's fellowship together as a meal. If anyone would like Amen. prayer, please come forward. We'll, have, we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for coming.